0: Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ,
2: the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. This ain't your mama's tea.
1: You're listening to Underground USA. Welcome back to Underground USA. You can find all of the things we do over at UndergroundUSA.com. Be sure to sign up for the mail-out that goes out once a day. Uh, Unless unless it doesn't. But it mostly does. You can't turn on the television or get on social media today without hearing the radical left-slamming law enforcement. From George Floyd to Dante Wright to Breonna Taylor to uh, Makia Bryant. Each and every event has found radical activists with no experience in law enforcement, mind you, condemning police officers for the split-second decisions they have to make on a daily basis. I spent close to 20 years as a professional frontline firefighter and paramedic, and during my time as a first responder, I worked with a great many police officers, and not one of them ever relished the idea of shooting another human being. But that's not what Black Lives Matter would have you believe. It's not what the alphabet media would have you believe either. I talked with Rocky Warren about the challenges facing law enforcement today. And before we get to that talk, let me tell you a bit about why his opinion on this subject matters more than most. Rocky is a retired sergeant from a Northern California Sheriff's Department with 33 years of law enforcement under his belt. He's a former SWAT officer, whose assignments included counter-sniper. He's held about every position a person can in law enforcement, including agency training manager, field training officer, detective, and he was on staff for several college districts in his native California. He's a United States Army military police veteran. Rocky taught physical skills to academy, in-service, detectives, tactical personnel, police and security physical skills instructors, as well as military personnel. He was a use-of-force instructor, qualified in defensive tactics, impact weapons, firearms, SWAT, immediate entry and active shooter situations, cell extractions, weapon retention, and has taught instructor-level courses in various physical skills as well. He's also taught TASER, Chemical Agent, Less Lethal, Sudden Custody Death, and Infectious Agent Instruction, and has presented at the National Law Enforcement Think Tanks in Arlington, Virginia. He's also been awarded two Bronze Medals of Valor and a California State Assembly Resolution for his police service. Needless to say, Rocky Warren is an authority on the subject at hand. Rocky, welcome to The Underground. Um, I'm very happy to have you on. I need to tell the audience a little bit that a long, long, long time ago when I had a New Media Journal and before that, The Rant, uh, uh, Rocky wrote for, wrote some articles and sent them in and we proudly published them. Uh, they advanced some education and some in insight and helped some people understand some, some difficult times that we were going through after 9-11. So, Rocky, welcome to The Underground. I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate it. Now, obviously, this is all kind of kind of blown up because of the, uh, the Derek Chauvin trial. And there's just now the media touches on every single officer-involved shooting incident that there is. But I wanted to get your thoughts on the Derek Chauvin event itself and then uh, the outcome of the trial uh, as it pertained to that event.
2: Well, the outcome of the trial is set. Um, of course it's subject to appeal uh, do I agree with the hold that was done uh, or the time that it, the time frame that it was applied um, I'm uh, I'm a member of uh, several consultants who are probably some of the best expert witnesses in the nation as far as I'm concerned and uh, our consensus was we were glad we' would, we didn't teach that um, we teach a different way to restrain people on the ground. And, uh, you know, it, it's much less uh, problematic when you get something like this. There are other things that come in with with um, the Derek Chauvin case, but the jury's spoken and I'm not going to back them down or, or you know, bad mouth anything about it. Um, we'll see what the appeals go. and. I'll go from there. Now they had uh, in in in
1: 2021, and I'm I was looking at some some statistics that came out of I believe it was the Blaze, an article in the Blaze. Um, It said that so far 52 black people have been fatally shot by police, three were unarmed. Meanwhile, 109 white people have been fatally shot by police, and five are unarmed. What does that say about the systemic racism narrative that's being advanced by the radical left?
2: The systemic racism is in the minds of the left, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And one of the things, if they'll look at the National Institute of Justice uh, factors uh, and and statistics, um, peace officers shoot three times the uh, white people that they do any other race. Three times and more, white. Uh, So it's not a matter. It's not a matter of of race or color. It's actually a matter of behavior, and that's what the media is just touting this terribly and and moving it up. And it's causing, uh, and rightfully so, I'll I'll say, um, it's causing a problem with the other, uh, with blacks, with Hispanics, with other ethnic groups that they believe that cops are out to get them. Um, and they can't keep doing this narrative and not expect um, the all the other ethnic groups uh, to, to cause a problem because they believe they're being targeted. When in fact, if they resist, they're going to have a problem. If you have a problem with the officer, comply with their directions go to jail, get out, contact a plaintiff's attorney, go into court, and sue them. Sue them for, for a violation of state laws or federal uh, civil rights violations. That's the the right course. But if you fight them, you're going to have a problem. And and that's where we're getting right now is people are trying to run when they have warrants. They're fighting. They're turning. They're, they're pulling uh, weapons on cops. That's not going to end well for anybody. Nobody wants to. Let me say this. I've been in two officer-involved shootings. One was with a rifle. The second was a uh, less lethal. And some people don't consider that an officer-involved shooting. I, I consider it. It's actually an extended-range impact weapon. Both of them were successful. The problem here is that... All of us, every cop in, in the nation, every cop in the world can't wait for the time that we can say, put phasers on stun. Right. And it, th- that time isn't now. Right now, when you got up when I got a, a vest on and a uniform and my gun belt and walked out, my wife wasn't sure if she'd see me that, that morning. It it's it's just that way. You're you're risking your life every time you put the uniform on. And now we're being targeted. You get officers. Now they're starting to walk up on traffic stops. Um, and they're shot. We're getting officers walking up on disabled motorists and accident victims and getting shot from inside the cars that are overturned in times. This is just is crazy.
1: That's an, I mean, that's yeah. insane. You, you brought up the statistic of, of over of the the shootings of white people versus black people being almost three to one over three to one. I believe you said that kind of it backs up your your thought pattern about it. It's about how you approach the police officer, not the color of your skin, because that that number that you cited was actually uh, it, it reflects the population.
2: It actually does, and that's not the narrative you'll hear from the media. If the media fans the flames, they get higher ratings. And, and there's a couple of issues here, and there, matter of fact, there's some terrible issues right now. Um, let's take the Adam Toledo, mm-hmm. uh, the shooting. In, what was that? That was Chicago.
1: That was in Chicago, right? Yeah.
2: Right. You see the officer. You see the first suspect, the officer passes him off to someone coming up behind him. You see the officer chasing Adam Toledo down an alley. The officer comes up on Adam Toledo, and CBS has got this, or excuse me, ABC has got this totally wrong. Um, They're saying that this is jumpy video from the Adam Toledo um, body-worn camera. That's not the case. What is happening is that the officer has his uh, flashlight on a strobe mode. That strobe mode means it flashes about three times a second. So you'll have light for a third of a second, dark, light, dark, and it does it three times in a second, three or four times, somewhere in there. Now, how is that important? A, it's important in that... What that does is disorient someone who's an opponent. But what it also does is, unfortunately, for Adam Toledo, the officer is looking at him. The light is on, then off. He sees the gun. Adam Toledo decides to start dropping it. He starts to drop it. It comes on and off. It's not in his hand anymore, but the light is on for a third of a second. That's not enough for for, um, recognition. The gun's dropping and then it hits the ground. By the time it splashes on a couple more times, Adam turns around and starts to raise his hands, which looks like he's raising them toward the officer. Right. It's a tragedy. I mean, the officer did his best to do CPR and everything else. It's a disaster for both the family, for Adam and for the officer and for the for the department for the agency for the state and for the for the country because everybody thinks that the officer did something wrong but it was part of that strobe mode on that flashlight that won't let him see that that gun heading for the ground
1: what are the uh, indicators now I went in uh in introducing you, I, I threw out a bunch of your bona fides, and, and boy, if, you, if they were hash marks that you had to put on your sleeve, they'd be over <laughs> your elbow. Um, the indicators for, for lethal force, I know every situation is different and every situation is fluid, um, but when you come up on – I've been told that for a, for a law enforcement person, traffic stops and domestic violence calls are the ones that worry you all the most
2: that and you also get suspicious circumstances um those calls and and anything involving a gun i mean or or a knife it's 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 going to be a problem we lose our our officers most often on that i heard i actually heard something the other day and i'm just appalled by it there was some person in the press who was saying officers need to put their gun in a lockbox yeah when they, when they go up to a car for a traffic stop are they out of their mind years yeah. ago one yeah, of my coworkers are. was looking at this car ahead of him and the taillights were out and he made okay something's wrong the person turned down English Colony Road and started to run when Jerry turned the lights on him the suspect went down the road and ended up overturning the car this now now remember this is just pale lights out, nothing more. Mm-hmm. The suspect bailed out of the car and ran with a gun in his hand. One of my sergeants shot at him and missed, and it hit a, a tree that the guy ducked behind, but the guy kept fleeing. They went up and heard pounding in the car, and they're watching for the bad guy for the for the person who you know, ran with the gun in his hand. They opened the trunk very carefully. The owner of a gas station that had been robbed three miles away was in the back of the car, in the trunk. He had pulled the lights out, the taillights out of the housings. You still want people to go up to the car without having a gun on? I mean, something as simple as taillights out. And I've had them happen before. You have yeah, to walk the, up of the car, and things just go south within seconds.
1: The the idea that they want to either disarm police officers in any activity that they're they're involved in when they're on the clock is ridiculous. I in the Adam Toledo case, I had heard that there was one. Uh, One Chicago authority who said that they wanted people to call into their supervisors to make sure that they could get a go ahead to follow somebody on foot if they had to chase them, which was just another imbecilic type of uh, thought process that that people who have never been in a situation um, to to have to act like police officers or firefighters or paramedics do, like first responders do. This is the kind of in, stunted intellectualism we get from people who've never had those positions to, to have to deal with.
2: And that's the problem that we're meeting now. And I'll let's make it um, state and, and nationwide. We are having people legislate and trying to say that this is what you do for use of force. They've never worn a uniform. They've never gone through academy. They have no idea what police deal with. They haven't pulled a patrol shift, and they're telling us what we have to do. And, and me, I'm retired, okay? and um, I, I have other other things that I do right now, but that's not the point. They don't know how, how the use of force works. They don't know the case law, the, the federal use of force case law that's in it. One of the one of the uh, officers that I know, a guy named Sid Heal from Los Angeles PD, he says law enforcement is like making sausage. You just don't want to make it. Watch it being made. A lot of times that is. You know, that's the way it is. When you
1: an officer is walking up to a, to a scene that is fluid and unstable. Okay, um, what goes into the to the assessment and the judgment process about when you're going to move to unholster your weapon?
2: When you feel that your life um, can be in danger, or you know you have a threat that you perceive, or the person reaches in the wrong. I I walked up to a to a door one night. On a car. And as I got up to it, I saw a 14 and three quarter inch long sawed off shotgun, 410. Perfect little armed robbery weapon. Naturally, I backed off and drew my gun and ended up taking both him and his girlfriend into custody. That little gun was on the traffic, on the hump in the uh, big Catalina that they were in. I hooked him up, searched him, put him in the back of my car. I'm the only one out here, and backup is anywhere from 5 to, 20, to 15 minutes away. Hmm. I'm doing this myself. And I kept an eye on her during the, the time I'm doing all this by Braille. I don't really have to look to be able to, to check someone from weapons to be able to put them in the back of my car safely. And I walked around keeping an eye on her, I walked to her door and I said, put your hands on the steering wheel and leave them there. She turned to me and she dropped her hand down on that seat right above that little gun. And about that time, I told her, lady, don't move, because if you do, I'm going to shoot you. Her hand is about three inches away from that .410. Hmm. When you see something like that now, in that case... I know my my uh, capabilities, and I knew my equipment, and I didn't draw my gun, but I, the tone of my voice told her I was going to, and if I had to draw it, bad things were going to start happening. Um, so I got her safely out, called another unit, and had them transport her, a double unit, and took the other guy to the jail. Both of them went to jail. That's probably the most lethal small package weapon I, I seized.
1: You know, in 33 years. When we look at the uh, the Columbus shooting of uh, Makia Bryant, I believe that's how you say her name, the girl who was going to stab stab the other girl, yes. and it, it and it does astound me that uh, that they're trying to make hay out of this one because if there was a more blatant uh, blatant situation where it, it warranted someone being being neutralized, that was it. She was in the process of stabbing somebody. Um, looking at how the officer responded to that issue, how would how would you say he performed?
2: Um, I would say that the officer did um, an excellent job, and unfortunately, uh, in some cases, because Graham versus Connor, which controls the police use of force. Uh, Has been modified somewhat and it says now says not only force not only has to be reasonable but has to be necessary in that case it's tremendously necessary but still um, you can only judge the officer on what he knew at the time and he was there a very short time he saw Makia Bryant Um, there was one girl that was knocked down Um, the lady uh, Makia Bryant turned around and went after the second victim and with, was within feet. By the time the officer, and the officer, I, I believe he tried to holler twice, dropped the knife, dropped the knife, and fired. He has to act on what he sees, not what someone else says, not what someone else thinks. When I saw the NBC news break on that the right, night right. it happened, I don't see that the knife had been edited out. They had a knife on the on the ground that was shown, but that isn't the case. I went to bed that night thinking, there's got to be something else here. There has to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I come back the next day, and well, gee, many Christmas. All the other stations have clearly show the knife in her hand. And one of the things that you have to think about this, you have reaction time. And I'm not a trusting soul. I talked to the man, um, Dennis Tuller, um, who's now retired, who actually, it occurred to him this 21-foot 20 foot reaction time drill. And plaintiff's attorneys and defense attorneys hate it. That's, no one can be um, dangerous from 21 feet away. Well, like I said, I'm not a trusting person. I went to uh, um, Utah, Park City, Utah to the action target um, law enforcement training camp in 1993. And I talked with Dennis and he said, it, it's not a hard and fast rule. There's all kinds. And I know there's all kinds of things. If I've got something between me and a suspect that I can take cover behind, play ring around the Rosie with, I'm going to do that. And you know, if we're playing ring around the Rosie on a car, fine. You know, if I trip and now game on, we got a problem. But you know, 21 foot reaction time drill, I didn't trust it. I came home and my teaching partner, Dave Rose, a Rose Consulting, um, longtime SWAT operator, ungodly quick, um, he would stand facing a live fire line 21 feet away with a target on it. I would stand alongside of him facing the back of the range with a second target. The second target was pointing at the crowd, at the students. Dave wasn't allowed to touch his gun until I started to move. I would start to move or say something funny or or try and mess with him a little bit to slow him down some and then take off. Now, I'm doing this in my 40s. I'm not at my fastest. And we must have done that somewhere between 40 and 50 times, that drill. Most of the time, I would reach. The target on the back, and I had a what they call a CIA letter opener. It's a it's a polymer uh, knife. I would at least get one cut into the target. If Dave missed a snap or was slow on the draw, I might get two. There were some days where he was off or I was quicker, and I would actually get two or three stabs into into the target, and then cut the paper down. Hmm. Now, remember, this is a SWAT operator. He's quick. Later on, and recently, we figured out, he didn't win one of them. Wow. Think about it. Seven people, six or seven people on planes, took over airplanes with box cutters.
1: Yeah, yeah, box cutters, right?
2: I think about it. Four guns and four sets of trained hands that morning, and we might have had you know, four planes land back, you know, nineteen loud noises, and three thousand more people would be alive.
1: Right. Absolutely. When we look at the way that this movement to defund the police and then we're seeing some incredibly knee-jerk fickle elected officials kowtowing to this lunacy, and that's all I can I can I can call it. I mean, I spent almost two decades in the fire service as a paramedic. Worked real tight with, with police officers, and you know, I didn't know one of them from Chicago and, and to Oakbrook, where where I was full time. That said, I'm going to put on my gun today and go out and kill somebody. They they really kind of hope for a boring shift so they can just go home. You know, um, with this defund the police movement. How is it affecting the recruitment? I mean, this, it's got to be a, a a morale killer. I mean, if someone's looking to go into law enforcement in, when they're young, and now you see the lawsuits that are happening, the, the police officers getting arrested for doing their jobs, the restraints they're putting on them. Uh, not to mention, we're going to swear you in, and now you're on the street, but you can't do this, 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 and this. Oh, and by the way, there's a faction out there that wants to kill you every time you step out of the
0: car.
2: You know, in a way, that's the way it's been since the start. I mean, you look at at uh, back in the '70s, we had motorcycle gangs, we had organized crime, we had narco cartels, we had narcotics uh, dealers, everything else. Miami was a shooting gallery
1: mm-hmm.
2: when I started. I mean, it, it was terrible. It was awful. Officers now, um, I taught them for a long time. I was in. I was teaching not only officers in basic for corrections uh, for defensive tactics, but I was also teaching instructors for defensive tactics, impact weapons, and some range. Um, It takes a very special, very dedicated person to do that because not only are you risking your life, you've got to go out and do a job, A, that nobody likes. It's a negative service job. Nobody likes being taken to jail. <laughs> okay that's just the way it is. So you're going to get complaints and it takes a special person to be able to do that and stand the stress and you have to take all the garbage that comes out of the political factions. I I don't get why these mayors turn around and give these ridiculous statements when the when the situation is not 30 minutes old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no investigation. There's no information solid at 30 minutes after the situation. Somebody did it right after um, a wedding party. And the guy come running down, uh, drove a van towards officers, and ended up getting shot. The mayor went on and went nuts. The situation isn't 30 minutes old, but by God, we're going to get justice. We're going to Pay that that officer is going to be fired. Why? You don't know what he did.
1: Yeah, up in <laughs> uh, I believe up in the uh, the Brooklyn Center shooting, uh, actually had a, a responsible statement come out of the city manager up there who said due process will be done uh, for everybody fired. involved, and he got fired for standing up for for the officers and, and even the victims' constitutional rights.
2: I got a lot of people, and I I told a lot of people, uh, some got mad at me. Uh, let's let this play out on the Chauvin trial. It's the same type of thing. Why are we so, um, oh, the left is terrible about it. He's innocent until proven guilty, unless he's a cop or a Republican. Apparently,
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a predetermined outcome if you if you happen to be a, a first responder in law enforcement or a Republican.
2: I gotta t- I gotta say this. I'm sorry, I gotta say this. DOJ now has, or FBI now has over what is it, three hundred or four hundred indictments from what they call insurrection
1: oh, from pictures. December sixth. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, I got a question for them. When are they going to start working on the riots in Seattle?
1: Yeah, Portland.
2: Portland, uh, L.A., uh, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, all these others. They should be able to get a few thousand more indictments. When do they start on that?
1: Oh, no, they won't. And then this is uh, I keep bringing this up whenever whenever I get into a. To a one sided debate on this, because it usually ends up being that uh, if they were serious about about dealing with with crime and insurrection and and uh, being serious about law and order and and good prosecution, Chicago would be a safe city.
2: Oh, yeah. Miss Lightfoot. Oh, my God. (laughs) That that lady has no concept. Of what's going on in our own city, and and think about this. My understanding is that for the last like sixty years, there hasn't been any any Republican in power in that city.
1: Oh no! Yeah, I was I I was born and raised in Chicago, and when I was born, Mayor Richard J. Daley was in there. So you're looking at sixty years. Yeah.
2: There's forty thousand people that have been murdered in that city in that time and more. They kill out an entire generation, and that's okay?
1: Yeah, they now they're saying uh, just to date, and we're sitting at uh, at April 24th, that over 900 people have been shot in Chicago already this year.
2: My understanding is, you know, in, in any year, they actually were proud that less than 500 homicides in Chicago last year. And they only shot uh, like 4,000 people. Yeah. They have had homicide rates on some years that hit over 700. Now, yeah, I can't,
1: I can't, I can't believe that that Democrats, especially, we went through the Obama era, and he was from Chicago. His his political existence was from Chicago. He did nothing to help the city of Chicago.
2: Nothing. Well, and boy, that really makes a good argument for gun control, doesn't it? Because Chicago's one of the worst in the nation. To have the most gun control, excuse me, that's supposed to be a success with that many homicides per year and that many shootings per year.
1: And now they want to they want to make sure that the police are defunded, that you're sending more social workers into the field to deal with domestic uh, domestic calls. And, uh, you know, you got to call your supervisor to see if you could chase somebody who's just shot someone and running down the street.
2: I I think that these people have an inability to transfer. If it was them being chased on the street, would they want me having to call the office and say, hey, can I? Mother, may I? I don't think so. People would get angry at me. I mean, they were getting where were you? Well, I was up in Newcastle. It took me ten minutes to get here. You know, that's not acceptable. And yet every time I went seventy-five or eighty miles an hour, I got complaints called in on my car number. He was heading to a coffee shop. No, actually, I was going to the other person's call. You know, and, and you can't have it both ways. If I'm not supposed to violate the speed limit, it's going to take me a while to get to your call. And I'm telling you what, I worked in an area here in Placer County in the winter. It can be my backup is anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes at the minimum. It can be as much as two hours away in the winter, and there are some places in the county in the winter, you can't make it there from here with this equipment. So you get into something, you better be able to drag yourself out of it. That's one of the things that fries me about some of this argument about demilitarizing police. I carried from 1984 on until 2003, I carried an AR-15 that I purchased myself and I used it I have pictures of myself with the rest that I made from that. I was on the SWAT team. I was a, a sniper, now called a precision marksman because it's more politically correct. I didn't want to get into anything that I couldn't get me and my partners out of or protect citizens because rifles up here are common, and most of the time when I stopped somebody that had a rifle, and I could, there were sometimes people were running around with rifle racks. They don't do it anymore. That was quite common Mm -hmm. early in my career. Did I have any worries walking up to them? Nope. Not usually. I got people with concealed weapons permits. I got people with rifles that were unloaded. The law here gives me a right to check that weapon to make sure it's unloaded, and I can run it to make sure it's not stolen. Never got any hassle from anybody. You know, I'd like to be able to check your, your weapon. Okay, how do you want to do this, deputy
1: it It <laughs> seems to me that the people who who are law-abiding, the people who want to responsibly own a firearm, the people who go through the concealed carry classes and 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 do the right thing, they never seem to be the people that make the news.
2: It's kind of interesting because every once in a while somebody will get on a tear about these people. Well, <laughs> AOC goes on a terror yeah. about Ms Bobert. Yeah. How dare she be able to carry a weapon? Excuse me, it's her Second Amendment right. Did you not read the Constitution, AOC? She's just the the tip of the iceberg on this, but it, it's it's incredible. It's crazy. When you
1: when you see how this movement and I'm there's a beginning to be a lot of pushback, not only about. Um, the attack on law enforcement and and, and first responders when it comes uh, from Black Lives Matter movements on TIFA and other organizations that commit the unrest and are trying to gain an unfair advantage on the the police officers of the field, but people who are hawking critical race theory um, and and trying to affect uh, our our kids at schools. When, When you see this culture the, the the way that our society is today how do you see law enforcement the law enforcement community adapting to be able to continue to provide uh service and protection for for the, the overwhelming majority of americans who actually are law-abiding and want police protection and 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 the like uh how do you see them adapting to what these activists are doing which is my just a, a minuscule percentage of our population
2: Well, the people that are asking for defunding the police, they're asking for the Mad Max model of policing because you have no one to go to to solve the problems that you get. You know, you get a a relative attacked, a daughter, a wife, yourself. You got nobody to go to because they just defunded all the cops. If you put social workers in there, I have a recommendation send body bags. You're going to need them because some of these people just don't cooperate. They're not going to cooperate. And some of the weapons that that we have, everybody praises OC, pepper spray. Pepper spray works sometimes. The times when it doesn't work is usually when you need it to work the worst. <laughs> Taser. Taser doesn't always work. The only thing I can think of so far is they're going to have to spend more time training, physical skills training, Impact weapons training, something to be able to give these people. You're taking tools away from them, especially in riot situations. You can't use pepper ball grenades. You can't use this. You can't use that. You can't use... tie the cops' hands. Antifa and Black Lives Matter rioters don't care. That's one of the things that media, especially the TV stations, are worst about. From the start, with Antifa and Black Lives Matter, Black Bloc, um, the socialists, when three or more people get together to commit a crime, it's no longer a peaceful demonstration. It's a riot, and they know it, and Congress knows it. Knows it, but they keep saying, "Oh, peaceful rioters," or worse yet, yeah, listen, more than peaceful on peaceful rioters. rioters. Peaceful rioters. I, I don't think I've ever seen a peaceful riot. Peaceful demonstrators. Yeah. Uh, or mostly peaceful demonstrators. You don't get it to have it both ways. That's all there is to it. If so, three or more people get together to commit a crime, you declare it an unlawful assembly from that point on. Anything else is a riot. And you call it a riot. The media never did it during all of 2020. It was peaceful demonstrators or mostly peaceful People had arson on police cars and buildings in back of the reporters. Oh, it was mostly peaceful demonstrators. Right. First time they loot. First time they they commit arson. First time they rape, rob, whatever. They are rioters. They won't call them that. And it's jacked everything up. And got worst part of it is it gives people a sense of entitlement. They have a right to destroy things. Just ask them. They'll tell you. No, they don't. If you had.
1: The opportunity to have the ear of of someone who is all powerful and then I know this is a pretty bad hypothetical, but I'm going with it anyway <laughs> um all powerful to say you need to pay attention to this so we can get back to that or 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 to espouse something that you say is critical for moving forward for law enforcement. what would it be?
2: First off, I don't – I I think that stopping neighborhood policing and community-oriented policing was a mistake, but it's gotten so dangerous that in some places they they won't even let them. There are schools that are kicking school resource officers out, and that's a mistake. You don't get the person-to-person contact so the student knows this is who this guy is. They get familiar with him. He does – He doesn't always become officer friendly, but for the most part, he is. And it makes people understand cops more often. The community-oriented policing is fine. Under this current climate, it may not be realistic, but we've got to try. I think we've got to try. The other thing is officers need to be better trained. They need to be better trained in defensive tactics, in impact weapons, in firearms, in everything else. I wasn't going to bring this up. In 1982, I got into an officer-involved shooting. The suspect had a 45. He fired at us. Now, it's important to understand. He fired at us from 120 yards away. The bullet didn't miss one of my partners by very much. The suspect started advancing, kill me, kill me, or I'm going to kill you, and added some expletives in the middle of it. 19 pistol bullets and three rounds of double odd buck went off. I'm looking at this guy. I've got a rifle, Remington 700, with a scope. I'm looking at him through the scope. All those rifle rounds and, and shotgun rounds go off, and he's not hurt. He's not stopping. I don't see any blood. He's got the gun that he fired down to his side. And I looked at him, and I thought, I'm not going to kill him if I don't have to. And there was a lot of other factors went into this. He's 80 yards away at night on an angle, and he's walking, lit by a spotlight. I timed his step and shot him in the center of the right thigh. He took another full step and a half before he fell from that shot. That right leg tightened up on him, and he went on his back. A lot of by play went on. There's too many of you. Kill me, or I'm going to kill you. Um, he dropped the gun out of his right hand, picked it up with his left. By that time, I'd moved away or moved over to where I had darkness. Everybody else around me had cover; they were behind cars and trees and everything else. I had my rifle up on the bipod, and the senior officer on scene says, "Can you take the gun out of his hand?" I said, "Yeah, we got to get to this guy; he's going to bleed to death." By this time, he's blood from knee to halfway up his, his uh chest. He's got the gun, he's on his back, he's raising it and lowering it and raising it and lowering it. When the officer, senior officer on scene, asked me if I could take the gun out of his hand, yeah, he stops the gun. And I timed it, got the height, and fired. I fired for the medallion in the center of the cold grip. He had a colt forty five automatic semi automatic pistol. I fired for that medallion, and I forgot that at that distance, the ballistic was a half-inch low. So instead of hitting the medallion that I aimed for, I hit the backstrap of the gun. Big flash of sparks, the bullet continued on through his hand, and literally ended up falling three feet behind him to his left, and six weeks later, that guy walked into court. Now, There were a couple times in there where I made a bright line. If this happens, I shoot him in the head. And I had either one. With that rifle, at that time, I was on our SWAT team, special enforcement team. I had his head. I had his chest. But I decided because he's holding the gun down at the side. Now, I did not know reaction time data then that we have now. Otherwise, I probably would not have done this. And to be honest with you, it did put my people in extra jeopardy, in longer jeopardy. And it put me in more jeopardy than anyone else. But I shot the gun out of his hand and six weeks later he walked into court. He was gimping on a on a set of crutches. <laughs> and his left hand wasn't any good for the rest of his life, but he lived. No, yeah. better being, better than being dead. You know. Well, I got more grief out of that than you would ever believe. What
1: was the basis for the grief?
2: Well, people kept asking me, why, why didn't you shoot him? Why didn't you kill him? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do I said, no, my finger on the trigger, my choice. And that's one thing that people need to know also. For, use of force isn't a steam event. It depends on training. It depends on what you've been experienced with. I'd been in the Army before I was ever a cop. Okay, I was an expert, and all that means is I can hit what I aim at, as far as I'm concerned, because I had to learn a lot to be a precision rifleman. At this time in my life, because I'm retired now, I keep thinking about all the lives that my people and I saved, and I'm proud of this, the bronze medal that I have on my wall from that case. In, in closing, you know, I'm going
1: to ask you one thing that that you would know over your 30 years of of service and in law enforcement and protecting the protecting your communities that you've served. Have you ever, ever, in your entire tenure, have you ever come across a police officer who was happy about shooting somebody?
2: No. It and and I have to under I have to I want to add a caveat into that. Um, people deal with it differently. It it really rode me hard for quite a while. And officers, some will not have a great reaction from it, not have a huge personal reaction. They don't get the PTSD or or seemingly don't get it right away. Uh, some get it later, but the reaction to it is individual. And if anybody still has trauma. PTSD, what they classify as PTSD, and it doesn't have to be cops. It can be anybody. I mean, a traffic collision can be cause somebody to have PTSD. Domestic violence can a, a lot of times. Get them to an EMDR practitioner, eye movement desensitization and reorientation, and try it. I'm not saying it's going to be a panacea but I've debriefed an awful lot of officers that have been in officer-involved shootings and who've had critical incidents, rolling their cars the other stuff. Hey, holy mackerel. I recommend EMDR, and I've been trying to get the word out on that for years because one of the things that is really causing us issues is officers' suicide. We need to be there for our retired and for officers who've been involved in critical incidents. and. The young lady in this um, Duante Wright situation, I would recommend that she do EMDR, seriously, because she's got a hard row. She did the right thing by resigning, and she's going to pay for it in court, and nobody should be jumping on her head now. She's going to pay for it all, all her own. I've made mistakes in my career. And I paid for every last one of them, and every cop does, you know. I don't know what else to say. And thanks for letting me vent, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I, I do. Uh, I do appreciate your expertise, and I, I believe you're right. Um, and I'm going to take it a little bit of a step further. The ending of the community policing, where people got to interact with law enforcement officers to see that they're human beings, just as like everybody else, because the media is not. The media is not helping people uh, understanding that this is your neighbor who puts on a uniform, who's who's got the uh, the drive and the courage enough to go out and actually do something to protect everybody that they come in, into into contact with, and and who literally and you said this in the beginning of the segment, literally doesn't know if they're going to be coming home that night. Neither does their family. It is a it is a high stress job it is something that our society needs especially with the with the, the more violent our society gets and it is getting more violent uh, the more we need people who have level heads and who have the dedication to be able to serve and protect like like every one of the law enforcement officers i've ever known did very very well so i i think we people do need to have interaction with law enforcement officers so they realize that this this big demon that Black Lives Matter and that the race-baiting activists and the media is trying to portray law enforcement as this. These are a group of your neighbors.
2: There's an old saying from Robert Peel, the founder of policing. You know, the people are the police. The police are the people. I'll tell you what, Joy Behar and uh, LeBron James, I, I urge you to go to academy. Get a uniform on. Go through field training, get out on the street, and you find out what happens. But don't be sitting back, Ralph punching somebody who has to make a decision in three or four seconds or even one second, and they did it to the best of their ability. Throwing gasoline on the fire, I, I don't have any any um, tolerance for it all. And the media is excelling at that right now. They're not telling the uh, the truth and they're deceptively editing in some points and that is inexcusable, but who's going to hold them accountable? They insist on accountability for us. How about some accountability for them? I'll get down off my soapbox
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky, I want to thank you for coming on. And, and as these things move forward, because we're in for some, some darker days before the light actually hits, I think, with the Biden administration and what they're trying to do. Uh, they are empowering the radicals among us to, to push for things that are inequitable, especially to first responders and law enforcement. Uh, as things happen, we may, uh, we may tap you up again.
2: I love that. I can go on like this for hours. Thank you, Frank. You've made it a pleasure. And I want to say, um, bless your officers and pray for them because God knows they need it now. All first responders, whether they're medics, firemen, everybody, they're really going through some some tough times right now. So thank you for making this a pleasure, Frank.
1: When I was growing up, and I have to admit, the older I get, the more I understand just how incredible my parents were. They used to tell me not to judge someone until I walked a mile in their shoes, meaning that the past judgment on someone's actions from an armchair quarterback's position is to be wholly irresponsible and, in fact, kind of arrogant. Sadly, the armchair quarterbacks like Joy Behar, LeBron James, and Joy Reid of MSNBC are pushing the false narrative of systemic racism in law enforcement and portraying the men and women of law enforcement as emotionless and soulless animatrons programmed to target black people. It is a lie, and one that is politically motivated, ideologically motivated. Quite frankly, it's evil. If you want to help end the advancement of this false narrative, get to know the members of your local law enforcement. They're your neighbors. They're members of your community. They're fathers and mothers, sisters and brothers, wives and husbands, sons and daughters. They are human beings who do the job that most shy away from for a lack of courage to walk into situations and places most fear to tread. We at Underground USA support the thin blue line without question, as we do everyone in each of the first responder communities. Without them, we live under the Thunderdome. You're listening to Underground USA. I'm your host, Frank Salvato. We'll be right back after this. This portion of Underground USA is brought to you by Delvecchio Defense Instruction. DDI. Hit your bullseye with DDI. DDI offers NRA-certified instruction in basic pistol safety, NRA pistol marksmanship simulator training, women on target, and their non-lethal refuse-to-be-a-victim program. You can also engage in DDI's non-lethal defense training, where they have warrior workshops, empower hour, safe showings workshops, safe hearts workshops, and damsel sister safety. To find out more, log on to BullseyeDDI.com, that's BullseyeDDI.com, or email Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, at BullseyeDDI.com.